Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're super excited. We are taking on a worthwhile endeavor at Life Success and Legacy. Our intention is to honor Nelson Nash, the man, as well as the infinite banking concept. We're going to create a series of resources, including podcasts and text, as a resource for others who want to truly understand with depth and clarity what Nelson shared in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, as well as the many seminars and think tanks that we were fortunate to have attended during his life. So who is this intended audience? Well, we will use Nelson Nash's own words. It is written for the layman, not for financial advisors, but all life agents should be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. So whether you are an individual, part of a family, a business owner, or a life insurance agent, this is for you. So sit back, relax, and we will walk you through becoming your own banker step-by-step so you can reference the parts you want to revisit at your own pace. And we might have a little fun along the way. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Sump Pump Stories with Mike Everett. Oh, wait, (laughs) that's a different podcast, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We're having a little bit of uh, we're having a little bit of rain here. Yeah, if we uh, if we commuted to work, we might have to take a boat today. (laughs) You ought to see my my (laughs) east side. I'm going to tell you a canoe would get in there right now. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Life Success and Legacy podcast. We're having fun this morning, but it is wet in Kansas. We oh, man. Uh, we went through a stretch of just hot, 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 and now we've got um, wet, wet, wet. My garden is super, super happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's growing like crazy. I can't keep up with it. So how are you doing, Mike Everett? I'm doing good. Good, good. Excellent. Excited. Yeah, this is a fun uh, chapter. We're on page 48 in Nelson Nash's book. Uh, If you haven't been with us before, which I'd be amazed if you're just now jumping in on this, but if you haven't, um, we are walking through Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, we're in the fifth edition. And um, the reason we're doing this is because Mike Everett was mentored by Nelson and brings a another level of understanding and stories and humor Uh, because of his relationship with Nelson. So we just wanted to capture that um, for all of you. So uh, thanks for joining us. My name's Chris Bay, joined by the founder of Life, Success, and Legacy, Mike Everett. And in the background, uh, Mr. Michael Crawford. We bring him out every once in a while and show him to the public. But uh, he runs (laughs) the back back stuff for the most part for us because he's so darn good at it. All right expanding the system to accommodate all income. Let me highlight some of the things we're going to jump into on this one. And and Mike Everett can add a little more to it. Uh, Nelson talks about a system of policies in this chapter. He talks about capitalization and reminds us of the importance of that. Mm -hmm. He talks about actually self-insuring our cars and our homes. And one of the phrases I love in this chapter is uh, playing the game. In Play fact, for those of you who are business owners out there, uh, I recommend checking out uh, an organization called The Great Game of Business. And one of the fun things, and I think Nelson uh, brings it to life here with infinite banking, is look at it as a game. Mike, you always tell us, you know, money's stressful and people get all tightened up about it. And, and yep. you're like, dude, 
relax, chill. Yep. Why do you think it's so important for people to relax and have fun with money? Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, and, and I'll blame, I'll blame most of our parents, to be honest with you, and our, our that, families. That means we get blamed too by our kids. By, by the way, I'm guilty of yeah. this. Yeah. So, you know, and I, you've heard me say this dozens of times, our, our parents did a really great job of educating us in most areas, but two, mm -hmm. <laughs> money and sex. <laughs> Sorry for some of the people listening on that, but uh, we we help people with their money. We don't really help them on the other part. And uh, the the thing is, if there was a way that uh, we as a team could somehow alleviate the frustration or the pressure or you know the stuff that's going on in our financial world mm -hmm. with infinite banking, then life would seem to take a different lane for us. Uh, it did for me, it's done it for you. Yeah. And it's done it for many, many of our customers as they have learned and applied the principles of becoming your own banker by Nelson Nash. Well, you know, when you, you look at, you know, at least one of the top two or three stressors in a marriage, we talk about this all the time. Money always shows up somewhere in there. If not number you, one, it's, it's, it's a, it's a close one, one B. Yeah. And most of us are, are experiencing that, but if you can relieve that a little bit, all of a sudden life gets easier and more. Uh, and decisions, decisions. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be financial decisions, mm -hmm. but some of the emotional decisions that we make and some of the things that we have to navigate this life just become a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this whole idea of expanding the system to accommodate all income, there's a, uh, there's a phrase at the very beginning of this chapter oh. where Nelson says, I always, it, it always sounds a bit strange to people when I say premiums and income should match. Let's start with the very basic fact. And this is a mind blower right here. Mm -hmm. Doesn't all your money go through someone else's bank now, Right. It, it does. It does. So, you know, the, the awesome, the awesome thing about this is helping people think, you know, when you get your paycheck, where do you put your money? The bank. You put your money right in the bank. And then what ends up happening is somebody else gets the use of your dollars. It's, it almost sounds too simple, but. Well, let me ask you this. If I put my money in the bank, um, they pay me for that. They give me some interest, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but then let's say that I need to buy a vehicle for my daughter and I don't have an IBC uh, banking system. I can go to the bank and borrow money, right? You, you better believe you can. You're basically borrowing out your own money again. Oh, so I'm borrowing my own money, but... I'm not getting charged the same interest rate that they pay me for having my bank for having. No, my money no, there's there. a, there's a pretty large gap right there. <laughs> yeah. So basically We're being a little facetious on this, but I, really I, I know, thinking about I know. it, putting money in where they're barely paying you anything. And then when you need to borrow money from the bank, you're taking that money back out and they're charging you for the use of it. So I'm going to read the last <laughs> sentence in the very first paragraph. <laughs> 
when it's in the bank, your money, by the way, the banker lends your money to someone else and makes a great living doing it. So not only is he loaning it to somebody else, mm -hmm. but he's also loaning it to you and making a great living. So we're trying to help people think through how they could do that with their own finances, their own system. Yeah. Well, if you think about the all-American guy that Nelson talks about earlier in the book, and he brings up again in this chapter, mm -hmm. and you know, we're looking at 34.5% of our after-tax dollars going to interest on our debt. Yep. 34.5% that he is paying somebody else. And it, when we talk about banks, it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's your local bank, if it's, um, credit, if it's union. credit cards. Yep. It, somebody out there is financing and they're making 34.5% to loan us our money. So you think about the payments that we make and it doesn't matter who it's going to. The minute you make the payment and we teach this in our boot camp, mm -hmm. is that money usable again or is it gone? It's gone. It's, it's gone forever. Yeah. And so we're trying to get people to understand there is a way to actually create a system mm -hmm. to capitalize it, to make sure that we do this properly. And then when you have access to that pool, then all of a sudden you've created something that never, ever will go away. And Mike, I think this goes back to, and Nelson touches on it here in the second chapter, about half, second paragraph, about halfway down. And it's about mindset. And it takes mm -hmm. us back to one mm -hmm. of its principles about thinking. Can you remind us about that, that principle that Nelson has about our thinking? Well, a, lo a lot of times, and I'll just touch on it because it's underlined and highlighted in my book. Once a pattern of life is learned in a culture, it is nigh unto impossible to change. His paradigm is fixed. So we learn all kinds of things financially growing up or in our uh, junior high, high school and college years. And even in our early business years, as we're out getting into the workforce mm -hmm. and we're just doing things exactly like our friends do, uh, like our peers do at work. And so when you're coming back to somebody and you're helping them think differently about the dollars that are coming in and out of their hands, says right here, it's nigh unto impossible to change that thinking pattern. So part of our job with infinite banking and how we do things is we help people think differently about the dollars that are flowing in and out of their hands. Now, I say this in our webinars, you know, rethink your thinking, by the way, that's principle number five. Um, here we are, infinite banking guys. We're out here having fun. We're teaching IBC at a pretty high level. We're helping people think about all the dollars that are coming into, in and out of their hands. Do we ever have to rethink our thinking? I'll tell you what, when, when Nelson started giving examples um, and highlighting rethinking your thinking, I believe that was a principle he added later on. It was. Yeah. And it caused me to stop. And I love that principle. Yep. Um, because I use that all the time looking at many topics in our world and in my life is like, okay, let me step back 
and I've always thought this, I've always been taught this, but let me step back and rethink that and look at it from another angle. Cause I think it applies in a lot of ways. We're, we're such a culture where, you know, we've got the right answer and yeah. Yeah. So, and it's always I, on I the tip the of our tongue. Yeah. Yep. I love well, talking that. about rethink your thinking. So I'm going to give Chris Bay, my business partner, some kudos here. Okay. He helps. Crawford, he helps. Make sure you're recording this part. Yeah. He helps <laughs> our business rethink about the way we're doing things with the dollars that are coming into our business. So this is all part of the rethinking your thinking. It's not just about IBC. There's many applications that we can help people through, mm-hmm. through our coaching. It's not just IBC, but this is really about creating the trusting long-term relationships with the people that uh, have come to us and have asked for assistance in IBC. That's true. We were uh, on a call yesterday with one of our great clients up in the, on, on the Nebraska, South Dakota border. And uh, <laughs> he's a farmer and, you know, any Rick of my friends, yep. If any of my friends uh, thought I was giving advice to a farmer, they would be laughing out loud. <laughs> Well, yeah, Kirk, Kirk and Christy they're, know they're what just, they're doing. They're, they're just fun. People. They're just a fun couple, too. Yeah. Kirk, in fact, he said, I'm listening to all your podcasts. And Kirk, man, we got to find you a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, let's keep rolling on here. So, um, Nelson, I don't want to miss this part. Um, we're still in the second paragraph. Right. Um, and he says, when he builds a banking system through life insurance, makes loans, uh, makes loans to himself and buys automobiles and pays back the policy or policies, mm-hmm. the same payment he would have made to the banking institution, then he makes what the banking institution would have made off of him. On a pause right there, he makes a point again of saying or policies. Mike, how often do people ask you, why do I need more than one policy? All the time, right. all the time. So what ends up happening is as they're, and we're always talking about the wind current and shifting the way their payments are going. And in the early stages, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of times when we're able to take, when, when the client is able to take advantage of the pool of money that they have, they're able to pay off a number of smaller debts pretty quickly, whether it be cars or credit cards or student loans or just even a small bank loan. And then if you're redirecting those payments and everybody knows what those payments are, it could be 500, it could be $2,500 a month. When you have one policy, your bucket or your placement place of where you're going to put those dollars will fill up very, very quickly as you are making policy loan repayments back to your system. So what we've got to do is obviously when we're walking through the client uh, conversation with somebody and we're helping them think about the dollars that are coming in and out of their system, we want to make sure that sometimes it is one policy to start. But many times it is multiple policies, whether it be on a a husband, wife, or whether they're going to buy them on their kids or business partners are going to buy them on each other. So there's a number of different ways in which we can help them think about multiple policies. But I step back then and I say to people, 
we are not going to put you in a worse position than you are right now unless IBC is advantageous to where you are and where you're trying to go. Absolutely. Uh, just as an example, um, talking about multiple policies, uh, people sometimes ask, is it better to have one big policy or several small policies? How would you respond to that, Mike? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we really work off of people's cash flow and their, their uh, pool that they are to work, that they're working with. Mm -hmm. So it is very simple to figure out. And obviously, because of our, uh, our software, that we have, uh, that we utilize to help people uh, think through the strategy that they want to go through. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty simple to figure out. But so yeah, for example, if I had the ability, if through your software and through the planning and the dream conversation and everything else, you landed on, hey, you got, you could probably start a twenty thousand dollar policy, and I said. Well, is it better to start four or $5,000 policies versus one $20,000 policy? It doesn't make any difference. Why not? Well, because the way we're designing the policies, this, the cash flow is going to be exactly the same. Okay. It's going to be identical. Yeah. So whether you're, whether you're working on an older generation, a middle or a younger generation, the dollars that are going to flow in and out of this thing is going to be exactly the same. Now, where it does make a difference is who is insured and who has the death benefit attached to their life. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah. for example, I'm getting ready here in uh, about 35 minutes to meet with a, a dear uh, client of ours. And Donna's got um, four policies, but she's at a stage of life. She's a great grandmother multiple times right. over. Right. And she's at a stage of life where she didn't do the policies on herself. She's right. the owner of them but she insured her adult, her four adult children. Correct. And so um, she still is the owner. She still uses it for banking. She loans out money to her grandchildren for cars and sewing machines and all kinds of things. Yep. Um, so she is using four policies because she had four adult children and she couldn't insure herself rather than doing one big policy. Yep. That's, yep. Yeah, but it still awesome. works for her. Yep. Absolutely, okay. So um, then Nelson talks about um, the interest he pays never leaves his account and control. <laughs> so to me, I love IBC because of the autonomy and the control that I yep. have. But some people really like to focus on the interest that you're saving, which is yep. a, an important part. When he says the interest never leaves his account and control. Can you highlight that a little for us? So if you're, let's say you've created a, an IBC system and you have a pool and you say, well, I'm gonna start by financing a car. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is when you borrow, when you take a policy loan against your policy, okay, so the policy is over here, it's doing its own thing and you borrow enough money to go pay cash for a car. You got a pool of money over here. Do you actually borrow it out of the policy? No, you do not. You borrow it from the life insurance company. So what's ended up happening is your policy is compounding and growing like you never touched the policy. That, that is a mind blower for so many people. It that's, was that's, for us. That's one of the key pieces of the infinite banking. What Nelson figured out is yes, banking is profitable. And there's a variety of ways you could do it. Why whole life insurance and 
One of the reasons is because of what you just said. It, when, when people understood, begin to understand that, they go over here. So we go over here and we pay cash for the car. But what Nelson has helped us understand, and not just the earlier chapters, but this chapter is, if you're going to go and finance a vehicle, pay cash for it, then what we're going to do is we're going to charge the same interest or more than what the finance company would have charged you. So that means that you're going to make payments to who? Yourself. To yourself. So even though we've borrowed money out of the big pool of, uh, of money that the insurance company has, we're making policy loan repayments back to our own system technically. Because what's happening is the minute you start to pay those dollars back on the policy loan that you've already taken, those dollars plus interest are now available to do it again. Yeah. But now I'm going to step back again. And if we borrowed this money from XYZ Bank down the road, and the minute we make those payments, do we have access to those dollars again? They, yeah. We do not. They're, They're gone. gone. And so what we're trying to do is get people to understand there is a capitalization period. There is going to be a pool of money. You're going to have access to it. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get people to understand that when you're building the system, you're going to be able to do this over and over and over. Now, you just did a great transition for me because you said there's a capitalization phase. Yep. And Nelson says in the next chapter, he's talking about, well, what if you used one policy to finance one car? What if you started another policy to finance another car in the family? And he said, this will, of course, require the capitalization period of seven years at the rate of $5,000 per year. But at the end of that time, we've kissed the auto financing business goodbye <laughs> forever. I want, I want you to give the listeners a little view into Nelson's mind again, because he does this multiple times throughout the book. He says like capitalization for seven yep. years. Is that necessary? And why does Nelson say seven years? Well, he says seven years and I'll just get to the bottom line because of uh, the human condition. Yeah. If we have money, guess what we do with it? We spend it. Yeah. So if we're able to take those dollars and set it aside and capitalize our own system, then what will end up happening is the pool will grow, it will be bigger, and we will have access to more. So if you go back and read page 28, Parkinson's <clears throat> Law, you will understand why Nelson says capitalize the system for seven years. Do they have to? They do not. But we encourage people as we are teaching IBC, if you're going to borrow money early on from your policy, for, against your policy, then what we've got to do is we have got to create a way to where you are paying those policy loans back. This is where Shelly Forbes, our um, client coordinator, really comes into play. She is key to helping people understand why we do what we do and helping them walk through the logistics of why it's advantageous for for them it's one of the reasons why we strongly encourage doing monthly automatic monthly policy loan repayments where it just automatically gets pulled out of your your checking account that's right because we're fighting parkinson's law we're fighting the human condition 
Yeah. <laughs> so, so just to follow up and give some people context, what percentage of our clients would you say capitalize their system for seven years before they take loans? Uh, less than 1%. <laughs> yeah. So I just want people to know. Yeah. Yes. Nelson says seven years, but that's not what happens. He's doing that because he knows our human condition. That's right. And so that I wanted to highlight that. Okay. Yeah. So now let's get into the self-insuring your automobiles. Tell us about that, Mike. Why, well, what is he so, talking about? So when you go and borrow money at a bank, what are the, some of the things that you have to have on your vehicle? You got to have insurance. So the, the, we're not talking about liability insurance because liability is required by states. Mm -hmm. But what we are talking about is when you insure a car down at the XYZ bank, they want to make sure if you get in a wreck, they get their money. It's very simple. So you have to have comprehensive mm -hmm. and you have to have collision coverage. So if I have a loan at the bank for my car, and I get in a car accident, it damages my car, the bank, because they've loaned me money on that car, they want to make sure they're covered. And yep. so they require me to have property casualty. 100%. Uh, collision uh, insurance on my car. That's correct. So mm -hmm. what ends up happening is now, let's get, let's get back to IBC. What happens if all of a sudden you are borrowing money from a pool that you control you're paying cash for a car is it required that we that we carry comprehensive and collision on that vehicle not if i'm borrowing the money from my own system that is correct now i have kind of a rule of thumb mm -hmm. <laughs> when when i'm talking to clients about self-insuring about dropping the comp and collision on the car if you can take that car and go put it in the trash can and go out and get yourself another car, then by all means, just have liability only on your car. But if you are in a position to where you need some dollars, if something bad were to happen to your vehicle, then I would consider carrying comp and collision on your car. I, I drive two fairly new vehicles. I still carry comp and collision, but what I do is I raise my de deductibles up higher than the normal. So the normal would be 250 or 500 on comp and collision. And people understand this. If you're having a hard time understanding what comp and collision is, call us, we'll walk you through it. But I, I raise my deductibles to a thousand because I am a, at a place where my system is to where I could pay my first thousand dollars to replace those vehicles. So let's get back to self-insuring now. Yes. So let's just say all of a sudden you go, okay, I'm willing to do this. Let's say, let's say the cost of the comp and collision on your car is $750 a year. And you go, I'm going to self-insure. So if you are going to pay the insurance company $750 a year. And you said, I am going to self-insure. You're not gonna to have to pay the insurance company $750. Who should you pay, be paying that $750 a year to? You Your should IBC be paying, system. that's right. You should be putting those dollars towards your IBC system. And if you were going to really do this right, 
You mean play the game? Play the game. You would <laughs> add $250 a year and pay your system $1,000 a year. Why? Because it just makes <laughs> a bigger pool of money. Well, and, and if you're with an insurance company, you have a deductible. If you're, you're with, right. If you're self-insuring, you don't have a deductible. You're just zero deductible. Right. So you might as well charge yourself more because you're not going to have the deductible. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And, and so just to help people think, we did this at the beginning. We were talking about how the All-American guy is putting money in the bank and then the bank is making money loaning him his own dollar. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How is that similar to um, car insurance and what the car insurance companies are doing? Well, bottom line is you're, you're paying money out the door somehow, some way to, yeah. to insure. So uh, the, the insurance companies and the life insurance companies are exactly the same. So the minute you pay those dollars into the insurance company, what are they doing with those money? They're investing it. They're investing them and they're loaning them out. They're doing the same exact thing that the life insurance company is doing. So what you're doing is you're taking the middleman, the third party out of the system, and you are taking all of the initiative and keeping all those dollars within your own system and keeping those dollars rolling in and out of your system and having access to them a hundred percent of the time. Because the car insurance company is doing essentially the same process that the life insurance company it's is It's identical. Doing. And what we're doing is we're paying the car insurance company to do what we could actually do with our own life insurance yep. policies. That's right. I mean, it, 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 again, goes back to Nelson's principle, rethink your thinking. Okay, so now, Mike, um, if we've walked through the car insurance piece now... Nelson talks about the next step is your mortgage and self-insuring your home. <laughs> you know, um, I, I don't know anybody who would actually self-insure their home, but that's another thing all in itself. Um, I, I'll use my example here in a minute. But so when you're building a system, what you're doing is you're, you're building a, a, a larger pool of money. So as you've paid off the cars, if you paid off the credit cards, the student loans, and all of the outside loans, what you're doing is, is now you're throwing money, you're paying money towards your own system, correct? Mm -hmm. And what's happening is this system is growing very rapidly at this point, because if you think about the dollars that you were sending out for all those different things, I'm going to just say it's, it's, probably a minimum of $2,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, that's a super conservative number. Well, that's $24,000 a year. If you're putting $24,000 a year, and I'm going to have everybody who's listening to this, think about your own personal mortgage for just one moment. If you are putting $24,000 a year just for that, and we're not including monies that they're putting towards their IRAs, their mutual funds, their 401ks, that would be on top of just those payments. Mm -hmm. How quickly could you accumulate some dollars to be able to pay off your personal mortgage? I'm going to tell you, maximum, <laughs> I'm telling you maximum, 10 years. Yeah. But yet we all go out and get a 30-year mortgage. So if you were able to pay off your house in 10 years, 
and it's actually would be less than that, but I'm, I'm getting people to think through this thing. You would be able to pay off your mortgage. Now, here's the crazy thing. On the top of page 49 in this book, it says, if you were able to do that, make sure that you pay the policies, whatever you would have paid a mortgage company to amortize that such indebtedness. So what you're doing is you're paying off the outside debt. That's wind current, by the way. You're moving it over to where you're actually paying yourself. So if your old mortgage uh, payment was, let's say, $1,000 a month, how much would you want to pay your system? Oh, I'd probably gonna, want to do at least $1,000 a month. At least. But I'm going to tell you, when you finally saw this, you'd probably pay yourself $1,500 a month. That's $18,000 a year on top of the 24 that you're already doing. Can you see what's going on here? Those dollars are going in. You can, you, you're filling back up your bucket, your policy loans so quickly that you would actually have a larger pool now to not just finance your own vehicles, your own vacation, but now you're going to finance your kids as they're growing your kids' cars, your kids' mortgages, and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's just almost and, unbelievable. And Nelson says that you want to um, you want to, you amortize the indebtedness just like you would at a mortgage company. Now, a normal amortization is going to end after a certain period of time. Right. And so oftentimes we have conversations with our clients of, okay, so then do I get to stop making that payment to my banking system? And you could... Yeah. Our question oftentimes is, why would you? Yeah. Well, you know, once you've done the capitalization period and you're, and I, I'm, I'm in year 16 on my policies. Every dollar I pay in to my policies for premium dollars now. Probably double or triple. Well, it's, <laughs> it's just short of double. It's just short of double. So if my dollars or if my $1 create, let's say a buck 75, mm -hmm. do I ever want that to stop? Right. Never. Never. So that is playing the game, by the way. Yep. And uh, let's wrap up with that. Um, remember to play the game. We talked about this early on in the podcast. And that is if people can just um, take a deep breath and relax yep. and, and can you, Take us out of this podcast, Mike, and give us the analogy of if we're stepping up to the golf ball and uh, relaxing. Okay, so I, I, I'll either do it to the golf ball or uh, shooting free throws. Mm. Okay, so part of part of what we want people to do is we want them to take a great big deep breath, because if you're not if you're not breathing through this thing, then I'm going to tell you what. Then what you're trying to do is you're trying to overfigure it out. You're trying to create something that's really not there. So we get people to kind of take that great big deep breath to think through things. And here's the awesome thing about life success and legacy and our team. We are here. There's no charge for our services. We want you to understand that we, we, uh, we've been where you are. We know what you're going through. We, we have experienced the financial pressure that you have felt. So if there's a way that we can help you to think through where you are financially and help you take that great big deep breath, I'm telling you what, 
We will do this together. We will do this alongside you. We will help you think through things, not for just you, but your family and future generations, because we want to help you create a financial legacy that will be passed on to future generations. At, at the time of this recording, we've got the NBA finals, or not the finals, but um, the playoffs going on. We're getting close to the finals. And uh, one, of the, one of the players um, is really, really struggling uh, at the free throw line. And he takes a long time and the crowd's counting down 10 seconds. And can you imagine being on that line with all those eyes, TVs, everybody staring at you? Mm. How do you calm yourself in the midst of that storm? Because that's kind of what it feels like financially sometimes it does. to us. It does. How do they calm themselves down in that, in that setting? You've just got to kind of clear your mind and take that big, deep breath and say, hey, I got to do this. Yeah. And so to our listeners, that's what we love to do. We love to coach. We love to help you take that deep breath to <laughs> maybe rethink your thinking. And honestly, it's not hard. Mm -mm. And I wish I could go back to my earlier self when I was researching IBC and tell myself that because, man, I, <laughs> I hate, oh, please stop recording Mike Crawford. But man, <laughs> Everett kept telling me I was overthinking it and I was. Well, <laughs> it's all worked. It has worked. It has worked. Well, Mike, Mike Everett, thank you for uh, sharing with us your stories and your insights on this chapter. This was a fun one. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, we will be jumping on to the uh, next section, actually, part uh, four, equipment financing. Buckle up for that one, folks. Oh, boy. That's right. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, check us out at lifesuccesslegacy.com. Um, if you do not have a copy of Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, or uh, his another one of his books, The Case for IBC, we recommend, there it is. Case we for IBC. Yep. Uh, especially if you're a business owner, we recommend The Case for IBC because it's about cash flow. Um, check us out. Get yourself a copy of the book. Keep digging in. Keep learning. And if we can be of help, do not hesitate to reach out to us. Thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm.